fellow Americans. We've got to do a better job of getting across that America is free. Every man, woman, and child had a right to a future of freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Tagline Podcast brought to you by Tag Strategies. This is a podcast about pop culture, politics, possibility, what we think, what we know, what's coming up, and our spin on it. As always, I am one of your co-hosts, Aaron Perini, joined today by Christian McMullen. Christian, how are you? Doing good. Yeah? Yep. What's going on? Anything new? Anything uh, no, I'm uh, I'm just just keeping an eye out for anyone tweeting positively about this uh, Velveeta martini that they're having at the BLT Steakhouse in D.C. here. Uh, just What? Yes, there's a martini. Listen, I love mac and cheese, and Velveeta is like the best. But it's the gold standard. That yeah. sounds horrific. Yeah, no. It sounds like something they would serve at like the Wisconsin State Fair. Yeah, it does not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Keep oh, an eye. It's got Velveeta stuffed olives and you know, just. Oh. So like that's that sounds good, but like there it literally has like cheese on the oh, rim. I'm just taking uh, it I'm too just, far. No, I'm just keeping. I'm just keeping a note out. Just warning everyone. I'm watching. If you you engage. Ugh. Yeah, ugh. oh well, that's a cruddy way to start, it, start the podcast. Yeah, way to ruin the podcast right from the jump. I don't understand why you chose violence, but here we are. All right, well, uh, Christian, what do we got first? Other than that, Velveeta. St- Listen, like, would I try a Velveeta stuffed olive? Yeah, totes. I love a good blue cheese stuffed olive in a martini, but like cheese on the rim of the of the martini glass. Is it a vodka martini? It's got to be like a vodka a, yeah, martini. Yeah. Ugh. No, Mm-mm. too much, too heavy. It's too heavy a processed cheese for this. Well, yeah. So anyway, well, uh, well, the rest of DC may be deciding where they they come down on those martinis. The White House is is certainly uh, underway on their quote major overhaul of their press and communication shop, saying that you know there's again stop me if we've said this <laughs> before frustration with not being able to drive uh, President Biden's message, and so they're looking for a new communications director. Um, and to sort of overall reshape. There's some internal candidates considering, um, but Anita Dunn from the White House, who came back in May, is sort of overseeing the process. And it will be interesting to see um, if I were a low-level White House comms person, I would be, and like clearly looking at things being, I'd just be frustrated and be like, could we maybe fix the gas prices and that would be easier? Like, could we do some of the things? And like, No, they, well, yeah, you, you, when you... You can't sell what isn't there, right? So, like, they have no policy success. They blamed everybody else for gas prices, and now they want credit for prices coming down nominally, and they're using funny math to be able to do that. They're like, oh, one in uh, five uh, gas stations in the country has gas at three ninety nine. Ron Klain retweeted it. That means 20% of the country has gas below $4. A, like, better but not good. Yep. And B... The national average is still like four forty nine a gallon. Like bad messaging. They're just bad at this. And I truly can't imagine there's a single person who would want to go work in this White House in a comm shop. Well, I'm sure there are, but that's probably a little over like a little over the top. But why would you want to be comms director? There, there are some theories that are kind of floating around that say um, that they think maybe Karine Jean Pierre could be promoted to comms director and John Kirby 
could become press secretary. I mean, they got to shake things up. I mean, they've had like five briefings in a row where Kareen's needed someone to come out and hold her hand. She gaggled on AF1 today with another White House official because she can't gaggle on her own anymore. She's, she's worse than Andy Bates, and he's not allowed to talk to the press unless yeah. it's in a written answer because, well, we all know Andy Bates is a troll. Um, yeah, I, I don't blame anybody for not wanting that job. I don't blame anybody for jumping ship. Uh, it's not easy to be the comms director on the Titanic. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, the timing is not great either. I think there's a, I mean, you're seeing a lot of like big campaign staff up, like the, just the talent shortage of, you know, you're, you're more junior folks to kind of steal the directive. And if you're, if you're a senior, if you're a senior advisor, like a, with the uncertainty about whether or not he's going to run in the future is now the time like that you step away from whatever it is, you know, major position you have to, to, if right. Where, we could find out he's where are you going to go for two years? Yeah, right? midterms could happen. We find out he's lame duck president shortly thereafter. It wouldn't be shocking. Yeah, I, this is kind of like a normal time for a transition in an administration, right? Like we're going toward midterms. People who've served in the early part of the administration are going to start to cycle out. But considering the the complete frequency of people leaving the Biden administration, uh, I don't. I'm not surprised. But good luck, Godspeed to whoever takes that job. It. Not not gonna be awesome. Yeah. Not not a job that. Uh, gonna have to defend a lot of uh, a lot of really bad takes. Well, want to talk about bad takes? Ned Price. Uh, Ned Price is the spokesperson at the State Department, and there is a grizzled reporter that works for the Associated Press named Matt Lee, also Bill's Mafia. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt's from Buffalo. He is as true an old school reporter as there is. Uh, and so if there's ever like an exchange that gets brought up into the news between Ned Price and quote unquote a reporter, it's generally Matt. He, but the thing is, Matt it, it is unequivocal in his pushing on administrations. If you're a Republican or a Democrat, but like he get, he will push everybody. And so he asked about uh, in the State Department briefing about if there was a deadline for Iran to come to the table and accept a new iteration of the Iran nuclear deal. Um, and uh, so this is, this is verbatim uh, from question from Matt, but it isn't uh, they're talking about like, well, it's a fluid timeline, Ned price. It is fluid. It is a point at which we will no longer pursue the mutual return to compliance with the JCPOA Matt. Yeah, but that point could be tomorrow or it could be five years from now. Ned, that's correct. So there is no timeline. They are so hell-bent, this administration, on getting the quote-unquote win for a renegotiation on the nuclear deal with Iran that they are willing to do absolutely almost anything to bolster the Iranian economy and, and ultimately lead Iran toward nuclear pro proliferation in a way that will endanger the entire globe. Uh, but sure, let's be super fluid on this, Ned, and uh, see how that goes for us. It's unbelievable that this administration is openly admitting on the global stage from the State Department that, yeah, I mean, whenever Iran's ready, we'll, we'll, cut, we'll cut a deal with them because that's how you say diplomatic strength. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, he wasn't, uh, Ned Price was not the only high-profile uh, spokesman to take a friendly stance with Iran on these negotiations as well. John Kirby this week mentioned the benefit of gas prices. 
uh, bringing gas prices down as and part of ending the sanctions on. Um, yeah, right. Like, that's, yeah, let's let's sell out the globe. For, listen, gas prices are expensive, but we shouldn't have to go to Saudi Arabia. We shouldn't have to go to negotiations with Iran to bring down the price of oil. We could do that here. Yeah, and the question is, you know, when you're when you're saying when you're basically showing your cards. To Ron, basically That's saying how what, you know you're playing the the super ultra ultimate game of poker is when you show them, but you think they won't know when you show them, and it's supposed to be like a super matrixy mind mess up, but it doesn't work. But the timing on this is truly horrendous because right now, or like several within the last several days, Vladimir Putin was in Russia. Iran came out in support of the war in Ukraine. They're talking about you know. They're saying we're talking about going back and forth on selling the that Iran will be selling drones to Russia to help their war effort. And on the flip side, as if that was not bad enough, just this week Iran has said, you know, has claimed that they have the technical capability now to make a nuclear weapon. So why, when things are ratcheting up, is there is are they more is the Biden administration more willing to like bend the knee and make a deal instead of taking a stance that would deter an adversary from taking two dangerous positions? Right. You know, you're on the wrong side of diplomacy when you're cozying up to Iran, just baseline. Right. Russia has to do that because they've absolutely ostracized themselves from the entire Western world, and their economy is is decimated because of sanctions at this point and a, and a global force against them. And there are few uh, nefarious outliers in the global community who would engage with someone like Russia in support of their war in Ukraine. Iran is one of them. They regularly chant death to America. Why are we negotiating with these people? Yeah. Just it's, shut it down. It's crazy. And... Yeah, to 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 come and talk about the benefits of the Iranian economy and sanctions being lifted, which Wendy Sherman did this like Yeah, they're showing everything, right? Like, like they're talking about everything. They're saying it's an open timeline. This is not how great diplomacy works. It's not even how good diplomacy works. It's actually how terrible diplomacy works. This is geopolitics at its worst. And every time you think that Joe Biden couldn't actually be any worse at this, boom. Good old Ned steps in to help him out. Yeah. Ugh, it's Just, a, it's actually pretty pretty frightening when you think about the fact that there's nucle- clearly nuclear proliferation in Iran. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the the stakes are getting high. And again, watching the you know looking at these drone the drone technology. I mean, Russia right now the Russia is largely like not controlling the air the way we assumed that they would have. And obviously, they're going to make changes. And who knows what that means for the war in Ukraine? And like, yeah, a whole bunch of yeah. It's 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 not. Not a good time. Was it Robert Gates, the former Obama official, who said that Joe Biden's been on the wrong side of every major uh, geopolitical decision in the last like four decades? Yeah, got another one. Add got it, another one. They're giving the list. They're giving our adversaries here whatever you guys want. You just tell us what you want when you're ready to come to the negotiating table, so that we can stop you from trying to destroy the globe. You let us know. Yeah. Strength. And then the, yeah, and they're also out here. You know, the Biden. The spin is oh no, well these other countries, you know, also want the deal. Everybody wants the deal back, guys. Everybody wants the deal again. Like, nope. Rongo bongo. All right, what do we got next? Uh, so, keeping it on a very foreign policy focus episode, but uh, Prince Harry uh, of 
of the British of the royal, British royal family monarchs. Yeah, uh, really, really coming in strong uh, against the Supreme Court decision on Roe v. Wade. Uh, really choosing to to step into the really step into the fray here, um, but called it uh, that the Supreme Court's overturning of the right to an abortion is a part of the quote global assault on democracy and freedom. Mm. And mm-hmm. just I thought we were tired. Of, I thought we were done with the Brits. I mean, right? Didn't we literally That's have an point. entire American revolution to tell them, "Hey, how about you don't"? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, boom. Okay, if you hate this country so much. Prince of England, why don't you go live in England? Take your wife and live in England. You are a royal monarch who fled your country because you didn't like the way you had to live there for your wife's country, and you don't like that either. I don't know. Give Canada a try? Like, what are your other options here? And isn't it true that England has some of the strict, like, stricter abortion laws in the world? So, yeah, and recently, this is, you know, this is one of those continual internet things where for every statement there's a corresponding news story immediately pushing back. Um, Two women in the UK, uh, according to Huffington Post, this week two women in the UK are facing charges uh, for receiving abortions, and it really comes down to the way uh, in which they obtained the pills and and used the pills. Um, But, yeah. Right, like go fix it back. And, like, if you've got such strong stances on abortion – on, on the murder of children, go fix it. Go fix it in England. You have, you are a monarch. You have a role there that you can use your bully pulpit in your own, in your country that you are one of the leaders of. Yep. But instead you come over to, to our country because you didn't like being a monarch and having that power, but you continue to try to wield it, except now you want to wield it against the Americans when your country is worse about it than we are. Yeah, they they legalize abortion up How to backwards. They legalize abortion up to twenty three weeks, but obviously mm, that pretty long. Like, you know, that is the there. Right, the there are certainly approach. states in the United States where abortion is more available, and there there mm-hmm. there are some limitations on, um, you know, they must women must receive permission from two doctors must sign off to confirm the woman meets the legal criteria. There's a whole bunch of protections in place that, frankly, like some Democrat led states are are you know have more. Uh, Less stringent. Um, yeah, I just abortion laws. I don't need the British royal family coming over to the United States to tell us how we are a a bad country. If we wanted your like, if we wanted your opinion, we would have left the monarchs in control, but we didn't. We decided we wanted to be our own free nation. Listen, if you want to come live in the United States, like, hey, I'm all for it. Like we are clearly like the greatest country the world has ever known. We totally beat you guys. And you guys had like the best Navy the world had ever seen at that point. We won that war. Come over and be part of the solution. Don't try to use. This is what, this is kind of what annoys me about this whole like Prince Harry, Meghan Markle thing. They reject being Royals, but they still use all of that power and access and money and influence um, it's coming up of it's it's the thing that I hate kind of the most in politics, which is coming up off of what you hate. You like continue to make your name, and there are plenty of people who do this in politics. You continue to make your name and make headlines and grow your stake by saying by bashing on what you came up off of. If you hate that and you want to do something else, say your piece and move it along. But he continues. The only reason he stood at the UN General Assembly 
is because he is the child of a monarch. Not because he has done anything of any significant, like, don't get me wrong. The Invictus games are great. He's done some good things, but he didn't get all of that for being anything other than being born into the royal family. Yeah. He said some misses too, notably the Ooh. Nazi costume. Yeah, Nazi Halloween you know. costume. He's not batting a thousand. Yeah, no, he's, I mean, nobody's perfect, but go, like, I just, it, it, that irks me. It's coming up off of what you hate and he's doing it in, in such a way. Drives me nuts. Yeah. Ugh. I'm making that noise a lot lately on this podcast. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next. This is an exciting story. This for you. is a great story. Bill de Blasio has dropped out of the congressional race in New York City. And double bonus, he's quitting politics. Yeah. New New Yorkers are rejoicing. And the groundhog community itself is thrilled that the renowned groundhog murderer, Bill de Blasio, will no longer be threatening. Groundhog Day and the Groundhog community. Yeah, they've never been so safe. Oh, my God. Well, you know what? Like, good riddance to bad rubbish. His quote was so sad. <laughs> um, it was, like, I I don't I don't like him. I barely, like, I don't even, I don't want to say I respect Bill. Like, I are don't. Are you about Frank. to become a Bill de Blasio apologist? This It was just, it was a sad quote. Uh, I've listened really careful to people, and it's clear to me when it comes to this congressional deficit. People are looking for another option, and I respect that. Like, that is that is the—it is very rare that you will see a politician beat down into such a state of self-awareness that he—like, he knows now for sure nobody likes him, which is something that, man, he should have learned a long time ago. Probably before, like, I don't know, running for president and then trying to, like, say you wanted to run for governor and then, like, run for— like. It's it's overdue, but <laughs> I mean, sometimes losers love to run again and again and again and again and again and fail. Yeah. They just like love the opportunity to try and get their name out there. Uh I'm not I'm, I'm not sad to see him go. No, won't be missed by I don't know anybody. I don't know what he's gonna do next. Yeah, he's leaving electoral politics, but he wants to do better in the future. So I don't know. I'm assuming he's just gonna start a foundation and non profit. Like the Clinton Foundation? He can probably beg for a job at the administration at this point. Ooh. I mean. I wonder what job they would give him. I mean, yeah. listen, it shouldn't, it shouldn't involve wildlife because the man killed yep. a groundhog. Dropped it on its freaking head and he murdered it. R.I.P. Yeah, it is one of those. It's He's one of those interesting case studies, too, of someone who got elected you know, became a big name without, again, I don't think an actual natural constituency like anywhere. Like I've never really met anyone, even That's in the Democratic like a Bill Party. Bill de Blasio fan. Yeah, or yeah. even like someone who's like, no, he's crazy. Because you see this from like, you see this from big city mayors every so often. I mean, Mayor Pete for, like. Uh, uh, no one would call South Bend, Indiana a big city. Well, true. <laughs> but like, you know, these, we get these puff pieces from whoever journalists flew to wherever. Right. Because Mitch, Mitch Landrew was the hot name for a while. And then we got Mayor Pete and, you know, the mayor in Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom mayor and the, the mayor of Miami got a bunch. Like we see these mayors kind of, you know, as soon as there's a big Washington Post or Politico or like a big long 10,000 word about how they're like yeah. rebuilding politics from the ground up. Like Bill de Blasio, as long as I can remember, it was like he got elected and he's crazy and everything is bad and nobody likes him. Yeah. I, I, few politicians can have unfavorables and still win. Uh, but here's de Blasio. I can't imagine he has like a high favorability rating anywhere. 
and somehow eked it out. I mean, uh, I, I'm really excited for the Groundhog community, though. Yeah. Just bye. Yep. All right. What's next? Oh, this was a fun one. Yesterday, if you were uh, on the internet at all, you saw AOC and the rest of the squad all pretend to be uh, arrested and handcuffed and simultaneously raising their fists in the air as they had their hands behind their back. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of the immediate dunks, like immediately, like it didn't have, like yeah, it was just was like, vicious. Well, um, they, you know, and they, she they continued it on. Reporters. She last night put her mm-hmm. arrest paperwork, which is just a ticket. It's not an arrest. It's, I really love that some reporter was like, AOC's office has confirmed she was arrested and put in handcuffs. Even though if you watch the video they tweeted of that exact moment, it's very clear she's not in handcuffs. Unless she's the hairy freaking Houdini of the house. She's she she just put her hands behind her back so that she would look good. And she's she tweeted later, oh, it's so that you don't get in trouble for resisting arrest. If that was your rationale behind this, was to put your hand behind your back so that the situation didn't escalate, why'd you throw your fist in the air? Yeah. And Ilhan Omar, yeah, again, let her right. confirm yeah, yeah, yeah. that they were in handcuffs, then what? Right. Like, what's going on here? So did it's they just type, was theory. this in the group chat? Like, yeah. hey, let's uh, just. Everybody when we, look arrested. When we get arrested. Hands behind your back. This will be good for us. This will be good. It'll but be also, all the photos. But also be sure to get the fist in the air. Yeah, too. get your fist in the air. Although I was hurt. I've been told that that's an insurrectionist move from when Holly did it. I was told that that you can't do that. <sighs> I mean, Just asking questions. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just putting this out here. I was also told that like. Uh, you really shouldn't pose for fake political photo ops because you look ridiculous. But AOC has doubled down on that because we all remember the photo of her standing in front of the fence at the border, pretending to cry in her all white outfit, staring off into the distance. This is a perfect example of people just failing to learn their, like learn their lessons, right? Like she, for when you see someone, especially like her, just steer in to the problems that they're like, Self-inflicted. Yeah, self-inflicted. Has never learned anything. And, like, again, she's not... I didn't see a whole lot of people, honestly, on her side. Like, even on the left. Like, I think yeah. people were kind of like, uh, give me a break. Like, give me a break a little bit. Like, it's fine. It's fine or whatever to... Per- like, they have the right. It's what... It, like, they're doing it. This is a regular thing now for congressmen and women to quote the John Lewis good trouble thing and then get arrested somewhere on the Capitol complex. But once... But they don't actually get in any trouble. It's purely for TV. It's purely yep. a political stunt. And like Capitol Police, how many times are you going to have a repeat offender before you start charging people? Yeah. I, 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 it's an honest question. Like, listen, it's a misdemeanor, right? Like she's not serving time, but stop pretending to arrest these people when we ultimately all know they're sitting members of Congress. They're not going to get in trouble for being detained by Capitol Police for for blocking the road outside the Supreme Court. Yeah, talk to talk to the people on the House chain. Like you are one of the few people who actually can take your voice to your House. You can. That's she's an elected representative of the United States Congress. She has something that none of the other people who are mm-hmm. gathered with her to protest can do, which is a member pin to go walk or the ability to go to ledge council and say, I'm going to make this bill mm-hmm. or do any, like she, she can, can do, do things, things <laughs> and is choosing to out here, pretend to be in handcuffs. This is so dumb. This is why anytime one of these happen, I think this is one of the lower points our discourse get because this is the ultimate veep moment of season one, episode one, Julia Louis-Dreyfus walking out of her office and being like the level 
of incompetence in this office is staggering. Yeah. Every time. And you know that's how you, I feel about the Democrats in the House. Yeah. If you know, if you even and you know Nancy Pelosi was pissed, right? Because this is a whole day they passed passed this. Nobody you know, loves a rabble rouser. Yeah. They you know they're they're genuinely passing legislation, good or bad. Like yeah, they're, they're they're doing they're, they're trying to do work yeah. and they thought that they got a good vote and a good win and a good messaging opportunity on something they felt that they could stand on very nicely, and instead they get like you're the speaker and you're just like oh for the love of God yeah and the rest of us have to come up with handcuff jokes for Twitter <sighs> tough, tough. tough tough day didn't wake up no you know I didn't I didn't wake up knowing that it was mime day on the hill yep. I would have loved to have seen her pretend to get into a police car, pretend to be locked up. We needed a full mime, like performance of this fake arrest. Yeah, that I mean, would, hopefully, that would have been a treat. If you're if you're a tracker, like now, that's what you do. You hire a mime and you track, like yeah, pretend to be locked up. Yeah. That's great political street theater. The NRCC can have some fun. Free tip. Yeah, free tip. I mean, that's not a district they're probably going to send anybody to. Because probably it's not. not. Yeah, I don't think we're the flip opportunity on AOC's district is probably less than none. Yeah, but I don't even know if they'll. I don't know. You could certainly they're, troll they're around the capital. Yeah, yeah, no. That's, no, what, I think that's more Repo- what I meant. I think there's a Republican. Maybe, probably, probably, probably a Republican. Could do the research on that. We should. We, yeah, we got the Google machines in front of us, but we'll just speculate instead. Well, the last one. Yep. The last story of the day is our pop culture story. Although I think the Prince Harry and Meghan Markle story was a little pop culture since. It's the British royal family, and she's a former TV celebrity. Mm-hmm. Today, July 20th, 2022, is the 18th anniversary of Ashley Simpson's autobiography album coming out. Couple of thoughts. One, how was 2004 18 years ago? That's obscene. That means children can vote because I was in high school in 2004. I remember this album. I loved this album so much. It was so good too. This was like peak pop culture for me. Like this is like where I thrive. The Ashley Simpson show was out. She was dating Ryan Cabrera with his crazy hair and puka shell necklaces. That show was a huge hit at the time, but it was also the time of Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey and newlyweds. So it was just kind of like the Simpson family mega moment. And she was the, you know, Jessica was the, Beautiful blonde hair pop star. Daisy Duke. And then, yeah, Daisy Duke. And then uh, Ashley comes in and she's got the the darker hair and the rock pop songs. And it was such a great album, such a great show. Uh, I can't believe it's been 18 years. I vividly remember like loving all of this back in I'm, the early 2000s, which is really probably where I peaked. Yeah. I, so, I, you know, I take a lot of heat on this podcast and off this podcast for not knowing anything about pop culture. Um, like I said, I was telling Aaron before we recorded, I at least sort of know Ashley Simpson and this album because this is the famous SNL incident where she does the most awkward jig hoedown dance I've ever seen in she the world. Had, she had, like, a lot of acid reflux. Yep. They covered it on the show. They advised her not to sing. They said, don't sing. And, yeah, there was a computer glitch. A little lip syncing here. And her, her lip sync, they played the wrong track and the wrong... It yeah. was It's it's tough. Uh, Jude Law was hosting, and she tried yeah. to, like, explain it at the end in the, in the like, thank you section. Yeah. Just, She's like, my voice. Uh. Just a tough thing. Uh, yeah, so I I can at least sort of know 
That's my I you know, know the of era. It. Yeah, I you know. know the era. Yeah, yeah, I remember that being a big deal. I can't believe it's been this long though. Like that is yeah, it is. Yeah, we it is. talked about it earlier this week that like time goes by the older you get. Yeah. 2004, I turned 16. I had my driver's license in 2004. Yeah, I was 10. I. Well. I mean, it's not that like it's not that big of it like. I mean, but the, the difference between 16 and 10 is quite significant. Yeah. I was a camp counselor that summer. Yeah. This, this album came out. Man, to be 16 again. Nah, I'm better off. Yeah, I'll pass on 10, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's cooler being so, able to drive and buy stuff now than. Uh, see, I could being, drive and see, buy stuff. Exactly. See, yeah. that's why I'm like 20, 2004, man. Yeah. Oh, what a year to be alive. 10. Man, you could have been my camper. Red Sox World Series here, I think. Yeah. Reverse the curse. Trying to think of Reverse of the curse of the grape. No, that was 2004. Ben Affleck had that movie out that year. First pitch. Sure. sure. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I'm right. Hold on. Major events in 2004 in pop Wait, culture. Ben Strongest. Affleck, Boston, Red Sox. Yep. Red Sox won the World Series. Yeah, I knew. I knew that was right. What was that movie? That's all I had. Uh... No, that's not it. Somebody else did a movie called like First Pitch. Maybe it wasn't Ben Affleck. I know he's a big Red Sox fan though. Yeah. Honestly, not another, not a ton of like huge events in 2004 outside of that. Okay. Yeah. I could try and remember something from 2004, but it won't but happen. Big for pop culture. Oh, I guess it was peak pop Summer culture. Summer Olympics, Greece, 2004. That was. Oh, the Greek Olympics. Yeah. All right. That's it. I'm going to try to get to the closing on the podcast pretty seamlessly this time. Uh, it's over. It's over. <laughs> and scene. All right. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe. Uh, we will be back next week. Yep. Sure will. Um, and we're excited. And probably twice. Probably twice. Yeah. I'll be out middle of the week for a little bit. I won't be back on Wednesday. So we'll have to look We'll figure it out. Uh, that's it. Go get them. Goodbye. Go Bills. Go Bills.